Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. How's everyone doing today? All right. Well, I'm John Vreekin. If you don't know me, been here for uh, the last two months. I think I've spoken four times, so I feel right at home. This is my second favorite church. My first favorite church is in, in Mexico. And my beautiful wife, Carla, and, and I pastor churches in Mexico, do other things. We're Res Life's uh, arms extended into Latin America. And it is my privilege today to start off now. Now, the announcer there said this is the Heart for the Heart, excuse me, Heart for the House series. I'm changing the name. This is not the Heart for the House series. This is a Heart for the House campaign. Campaign. You know, we just got done with a, a big campaign here in the United States and, you know, campaigns. And we went through months and months and months and months of people trying to activate us. A, campa- a campaign is to activate somebody. So that's why I want to call this the Heart for the House campaign, because my goal today is to activate you. It's not to, it's not to, to preach some, some uh, nice, pretty message and for you to walk out and say, well, that was sweet, that was great. It's to activate you. It's to give you a little, little shock treatment. Anybody willing to get a little shock treatment today? Anybody like a shock? You ever get one of those shocks? I tell you what, when you get a shock, it's like, hello! You get woke up, so that's what I want to do. Speaking of, that's my goal today is give you a shock treatment. When I think about that, I think about my son, Timothy, Carl and I have, have four children. We have, we have six grandchildren. And our third son, his name is Timmy. He's our special little boy. He got sick when he was uh, five months old. And so he's, he's, he's multiply mentally impaired and he's like a, a five-month-old. But uh, he's our special little boy. He's 27 now. But years ago, we were in the living room and, and, and Timmy was in his bedroom getting ready to go to sleep and the music was on. And all of a sudden, we heard Timmy start laughing. And he'd start laughing, and he'd laugh and laugh and laugh. It was out of the ordinary, so we were enjoying it. We thought, great, well, either Timmy got healed, or the angels are there with Timmy tickling him or whatever, but all is good. So he laughed, and pretty soon he, he was just laughing out loud hysterically, so we thought, we, we got to go see what's going on. So we go into his room. Of course, Timmy's blind, so we clicked the light on. He didn't, he didn't know we were there. And uh, what had happened is he had, he had reached over his bed onto the floor and it picked up an extension cord and the extension cord was plugged in. Bad mama. (laughs) And what he did, of course, Timmy sticks everything in his mouth, you know, and so he got that all saliva and I've got it all wet. Well, once you get that wet, you know, he was giving himself shock. So he would take that thing and he would put it on his tooth and go, And then he'd laugh, and then he'd laugh, he was just in shock treatment, shock treatment. So anyways, we found his favorite toy, and so for Christmas, we get him a new extension cord every year. <laughs> he's cheap, he's cheap, he's good to go. <laughs> Don't believe that somebody's going to turn us in or whatever you get turned into. <laughs> well, that's what I want to do today. My goal is just a little... And then you wouldn't walk out of here thinking, well, that, that, that's, that's a nice series. You would walk out thinking, all right, I got it. I'm going to be activated, motivated to do something. And it's going to be specific today. It's going to be about between now and the end of the year to activate your faith. In other words, put 
legs, feet to your face. So I'm going to start, at this, start out this way, and, 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 and this is real simple, but I want you to know there's some, there's some, there's some shock power in this message. There will be some things that are, that are quite strong, but, but that's all part of what I believe God wants to do with us today. So a uh, long time ago, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to his, his protege, Timothy, and uh, Timothy was pastoring a church, and so what Paul wrote to him was to help Timothy pastor the rich people in his church because there's certain requirements for rich people that aren't requirements for people that aren't rich. And, and this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. I want to put it up here on the screen for you. It says this, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world, command them to do good, to be rich, and that's the name of my message today, be rich, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So these were the instructions that Paul gave Timothy to tell the people that were rich in his church, look, because you have the means to do this, you need to be rich in good deeds. You need to be generous. You need to be willing to share. Now, this may be the first time you've ever heard this verse. Could be you've heard this verse many times. But my, I would bet that most of us, when we read this verse or hear this verse, we, we check out. We, we give ourselves a pass. It's like, well, not talking about me because I'm not rich. You know, that's, that's Jake down the road. He's rich, but me, I'm not rich. Well, hold on. I got some awesome news today. You might be richer than you think. According to the global rich list, and you can write this down and you can Google, you can get on Google it and, and, and get into this and, 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 and you can check this out. According to the global rich list, if you have an income of over $33,000 annually, you are considered among the richest 1% of people in the world. I expected somebody to go crazy. I expected somebody to, to, to elbow their wife and say, honey, I didn't know, we're rich, we're rich, we're rich. I didn't know we're rich. We're going to go home, put a little pile of money on the floor, and we're just going to throw it in the air. We're rich. I do that with my grandkids. We'll go downstairs and play, and we'll have loose pesos around there, you know, so then we'll play who, you know, whoever gets the pesos. They grab the pesos, and they're all, Grandpa, I'm rich. I'm rich. That's right, you are. No, so, so let's not be so fast to just dismiss ourselves from the conversation because according to the global rich list and according to, to, to a, a global arena, if you make $33,000 annually, you're considered amongst the top 1% of the richest people in the world. So could it be that the instructions that Paul gave Timothy to give to the people in his church could be for us? And if you're here and you say, well, I get a pass because I don't make $33,000 a year. Well, guess what? Maybe you're not rich, but I know one thing about you. You want to be rich. So what we talk about today and what we're going to, what I'm going to challenge you to practice today, just start practicing. So when you are, you're a good rich person. How about that? 
And the question is, why? Okay, okay, that's fine. Paul gave Timothy instructions. Tell the rich people in your church that, that they need to be rich in good deed. They need to be generous and willing to help. So the question's why? Because it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't help to just know what. When we just know the what, so many times we, we, we won't do it. But if, you, if, if we can know the why behind this, it gives us so. It gives us. It gives us re- the reason behind everything for what we should do. So the reason of why we should be rich in good deeds, we could be. We should be generous, and it is found in a in a central truth that really governs a Christ follower's life. If you are a Christ follower, really, this central truth should govern your life, and it's this: God's extravagant generosity towards us compels us to be extravagantly generous towards others. This is a central truth of the whole New Testament. God's extravagant generosity towards us is what should compel, that that should dominate our behavior as Christ followers. What should dominate our behavior is how Christ treated me. He's been so good to me. So because of that, compels us to be extravagantly generous towards other people. Now, you've probably heard of the golden rule, you know, the golden rule, treat others as you would have them. Did I say that backwards? No, I said that right? The golden rule, treat others as you would have them treat you. You know, the golden rule is part of every religion of the world. You can find the golden rule. Any religion is going to have some, some sort of the golden rule wrapped up into it. Christianity does not have a golden rule. You will not find that in the Bible because Jesus didn't say that. Jesus created a different rule. I'm going to call it the platinum rule. Okay, we're going to another level. And, and this is the platinum rule. The platinum rule says this. Do unto others as Christ has done unto you. Now, why is that so much better? Because, because do, do unto others as you w- wish they would do unto you. So many times we, that the golden rule is such a low standard because sometimes we, we expect so little. And Christ didn't say that. He gave us the platinum rule. And, and I'm just making this up, but, but we could register that thing and, and, and the platinum rule. Do unto others as Christ has done unto you. You know, you know, when Jesus said that, he gathered his disciples around. He says, all right, guys, he says, he says this, is what, this is what the deal is. He said, I have a new commandment. I've got, I've got a new thing to tell you. And it was this, love one another the same way that I've loved you. The platinum rule. Jesus gave, gave us the platinum, platinum rule. Love others as Jesus has loved us. And Jesus, after he said this, immediately after saying this with his guys, he got, a to- got out a towel, got out a pail of water, washed the disciples' feet, and he went and died on a cross for them. That's the platinum rule. Do unto others as Jesus has done unto us. That's the reason why. That's the reason why you and I as as a church should be be out of this world 
generous in deed, generous with our money, willing to help at all times. So with that as the foundation, I want to, I picked out a, a, a part of the New Testament. You know, this, this rule runs through the whole New Testament, so I could basically get practical on at any place in the New Testament. But I picked out, I picked out a, a Bible verse that's in the book of James. So I want to talk to you about, about a Bible verse in the book of James. And this is a, to take this down and get it real practical. And I love the book of James. You know, James was the younger brother of Jesus. James became a, a follower of his older brother, Jesus. Imagine that. What, what would your older brother have to do to prove to you that he was deity? <laughs> Some of you think about your older brother and say, there was nothing my older brother could do to prove to me that he was the son of God. Well, well James, after observing Jesus, came to the conclusion Jesus, my older brother, is the son of God, became a follower of Jesus and actually gave his life being a follower of his older brother, Jesus. And, and this is what James said. Now, now we're going to get real practical and this might, there, there might be some chalk treatment coming here, but we're going to take what Paul told Timothy, tell the people that are rich in your congregation, they need to be generous in good deed or to be rich in good deed, to be generous and to help in all things. So, so, so how does James come alongside that? This is what the Bible says in James 127, 127. It says religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Now, this is the first part of the verse, but, but I wanted to stop here because look at what it says. The re religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. If there's religion that God accepts, there's religion that God does not accept. There may be things that you and I are doing that, that, that make us feel better. There may be things that, that, that we do to make us feel closer to God. But, but James says, hey, I'm going to be right up front and open with you. The religion or religion, I, I know that sometimes that word's taken wrong. And well, John, we're not religious. Well, James is just putting it in a package. The way you live, the religion you live, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Let me ask you a question. If you had to fill in the blank, if, if it was up to you based on your past and based on your present and what you see, how would you fill that in? What, what would, what's your thoughts on religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this? How would you fill in the rest of that? Well, I did the homework of doing that. I thought to myself, I thought, okay, based on what I see in the church, based on what, what I see most people live as a Christian lifestyle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill it in basically based on what, what most Christians, 2016, really think. And this is what I put in a blank. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to attend church every Sunday and to bring your Bible. Now, if you don't know the Bible, this isn't, this isn't what the Bible says. This is what I'm saying. The truth is, most people, when they think about church, they think about a place to attend. 
They think about a place that they should be. Most people would think that basically, and, and I want you to think about this, and this is a little bit of that. When you decided to come today, why did you decide to come? Well, I'm going to church that way. You know, when I get done, I, I feel so much better about myself. I feel like, you know, I go into church, I take my Bible. You know, my, my Bible, Bible, not Bible on my telephone, not Bible, because God doesn't understand technology. Got the Bible, my Bible. I walk into church and I look up, make sure God sees my face because check, I get a brownie point in heaven. And then I show him the Bible. God, I got the holy Bible right there. And if it's not been a real good weekend, I bring two Bibles. God, I got two with me. That's the way most people think about church. They think church, oh, Sunday or Saturday night. Saturday night or Sunday. I'm going to church. You know, where, where I live, most people would say it this way. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To attend mass every week and to pray the rosary. You know, some people here might come from a background uh, that, that would be religion, that God our Father accepts as pure faultless as this, to attend church on Sunday and then not do anything else. But no matter what it is, if you or if I, when we think about our, the way we live, if it's about being there or attending something, Friends, we're way off. Most people, when they think about church, they think about being there. They think about attending. And there's a real danger when it comes to that. Real danger. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you the caution. If for you, church has to do with a place, attending or being there, has something to do in your mind and your lifestyle. Church has something to do with a, with a Sunday routine. Listen real close. I guarantee you will become cynical, critical, and bored. Guaranteed. You'll become cynical, you'll become critical. It's like, why do we have to sing that same song all the time? Kenny, I heard that song already. You'll sit there, Pastor Duane will start up and he'll start with one of those stories that you've heard 643 times. And it's like, I do the same thing because Carla's like, yeah, story 231, everybody laugh. It's like, and we'll become cynical. Why? Because, because we think church is about being there. We think church is about the show. We think church is about, well, I show up and, 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 and they got to, and, and they better have their act together. So they better have the screens. They better have the lights. They better have the volume. They better sing the right songs. He better give the message that touches something in me. And James did not answer that statement with something about being there. But I want to warn you, if church for you is about being there or about attending something, you will become cynical, you will become critical, you will get bored, and listen very closely, you will probably quit. Tens of thousands of people have sat in these, in these pews, tens of thousands. This church should need eight services on a Sunday, packed house, every service. Why not? 
Let me, let me say something to you. It has nothing to do with, the go, what, with what goes on up here in sta- on stage. This should just be a rallying place. This should be a place where somebody comes. It doesn't matter if they sing the Star Spangled Banner and Dwayne preaches on rabbits. I don't know where that came from, but it just came. It's the quickest thing that came out of my mind. Because this should just be a rallying place. It's like, all right, let's all come together. Wow! All right, true, faultless, pure religion. Let's go do it because the real thing you do. It's not a place you go, it's something you do. This is what James said. This is the way he filled out that verse. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress. What? John, what has that got to do with me? How does that help me? See, because most of the time when we think about church, we think about going and something for us. James doesn't say that. James says, religion that our father does accept, because I think there's a lot he doesn't. I think there's a lot of things we do that just help us feel better. Make us feel like we're closer to God. But James said, the religion that our father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after the widows, excuse me, the orphans and the widows in their distress. And the key word here is is the word distress. Friends, if, if our religion is about being at a certain place, we're missing about half of it. James would say you're missing about half. Because religion is, is, is way more than sermons and songs. It's way more than sermon and songs. James says religion is to look after the orphans and and the widows in their distress. And let me explain a second about this. In the first century when James wrote this, you know, there were so many women and so many children living out without their husbands and living without their fathers because they had been executed. They'd been murdered. They were dead. The Roman Empire and, and Christians being persecuted. And there was just, just thousands and thousands of thousands of men that were absent because, because they'd been killed. And, and, and when a man isn't present, there is distress over the life of a woman and of, uh, and, and of her children. And you think about today. The men haven't been killed, but, but the women and the children are still living under the same distress because of men's Selfish and irresponsible lives. Over 50% of households do not have a man present. And if you're a man here and you're like, whoa, 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 hold on, John. It's not all our fault. Well, 90% is. 85. But there's still all kinds of distress. We live in a, we live in a, in a society with so much distress. We live in a society, just imagine, in most of the, the, most of the distress that's in society is caused by humans. It's caused by humans. Most human distress comes from the hands of other humans. I wrote this down. Think about this. Think about this. If you were able to remove the distress that's associated with abuse, with abandonment, with violence, Remove the, the distress 
connected with alcohol, with drugs, with laziness, with unfaithfulness, you would remove most of the distress in our society. But guess what? We can't remove it. So this is what James says. If you're a Christ follower, you need to roll up your pant legs, you need to roll up your shirt, and you need to wade into the distress of other people. James says, that's true, pure, and faultless religion. That's what James says. He says, you and I, we need to get our hands dirty. We, 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 need, to, we need to wade into the distress of other people. And you don't have to go across a border to find distress. You can go next door and find distress. And James says that true, pure, faultless religion is when you and I live it out. We wade into the distress of the people around us and we help them in their need. That's what it's all about. It's not about being at a place. It's not about being there. It's not about attending. It's about rolling it. Okay, I'm going to unroll these right now because... Somebody will take a picture and will post it. And then my wife will say, what in the world were you doing right there? That's what James says, religion. And, and, then, and then, hold on one second. But James doesn't stop there. I haven't given you the whole verse yet. Look, look at the whole verse. What we'll, we'll, we'll read Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after the orphans and the widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I love James. He takes the whole king Kabul and he just whoop. You want to live the right life? This is it. Help the distress and don't do things that cause distress. Pretty simple, isn't it? I love simple. Wade into the distress of other people's lives and don't act in a way to cause distress in the lives of others. It's real simple. I'll say it this way. You and I have to be part of the solution. And at the same time, we need to make sure that we're not part of the problem. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Really simple. So when Paul wrote Timothy and he said, Timothy, tell the people that are rich in your congregation Tell them to be rich in good deed. Tell them to be generous. Tell them to be willing to help. What he was saying is, is people, there's, there's distress all around. Be willing to wade into that distress. That's the God-honoring religion that he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. If you came this morning and, and you're kind of bored, you're maybe a little cynical, you're, you, you've been critical, and it's like, is this all there is? I got good news for you. No, there's way more, but it's got to do with activating yourself. We'll hone it down to this thing, God-honoring religion, God-honoring. How, how many here, let me just ask a question before, before I put this up there, and I've already said it, but how many here would love to honor God with their life? Raise your hand. If you, if you say, I would like to honor God with my life. Awesome. Awesome. You that are watching online, get your hand up. All right. I, I, th I think most of us would like to honor God with our religion. Well, according to James, it's real simple. 
God-honoring religion, number one, alleviates distress. Number two, it avoids the behavior that creates it. God-honoring religion, the real deal is to alleviate distress in the lives of other people and avoid behavior that creates it. Now let me be real practical. During the month of October, me, Pastor Dwayne, Carla was, was part of one of the services. We, we, we talked, we did the guardrail series and, and we talked about this. We talked about this one. Avoiding behavior that creates distress, creates problems. Today, I want us to focus on this one. Actually, Heart for the House campaign is all about, number one, allevi- alleviating distress. Alleviating distress in the lives of other people. And like I said, and people are looking, people, you, you can't even believe what, 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 how you'll be a light in people's lives if you'll just stand alongside them and say, you know what, I'm here to help you. And, and, and do me a favor, don't tell them what to do. Don't point at them, what you need to do is this and this and this. The, the world is fed up with Christians telling them what to do. They want somebody to wade into their life and say, I feel your pain. I feel your suffering and I'm here with you. We're going to walk this out whether it takes a day, a week, a month, a year. I'm going to walk this thing out with you. God says that's God honoring religion. That's it. And like I said, you don't have to go across borders, even though you are going across borders. I was just, I was, I was thinking of how to finish things up today. And I was thinking about, uh, about Saturday. I, I, Carla and I will leave on, on Wednesday, take a plane back home to, to Saltillo, back to Mexico. Uh, about three o'clock Saturday morning, I'll jump on a plane and head to Cuba. Well, Cuba, when, when Hurricane Matthew came through, the east side of Cuba was destroyed. And we've got all kinds of people in churches under major distress. One Saturday morning, I'm not talking about next year, I'm talking about in, in six days, Saturday morning, I will take resources, and part of those resources are from Resurrection Life Church. You all are major supporters of incredible things happening in Cuba, and I'll take resources to help people in their distress. I had some pictures I, that, that they sent me, and I, I asked them to throw some pictures up. There's a church without a roof. There, that's, that's destruction, obviously. Um, that's that church without a roof anymore. Um, just mass chaos. People, people with no homes. We took a bunch of Bibles in there with the kids and... and that's distress. And on Saturday, you'll be there through me. On Saturday, we'll go and we'll take in some, some generosity to help people in their distress. God said, that's the way you honor me. You don't honor me by being at a certain place. You honor me by activating your faith and by doing it. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you with a real specific challenge. That challenge is between now and the end of the year, about five weeks. I want you to be, I, I, I want you to be personal and upfront with this Heart for the House campaign. I want, you to be, I want you to activate yourself. I want you to be part of the answer. And I want you to do it through church. You know, when we talk about generosity and we talk about serving, I know you could do it as, as individuals. 
As individuals, you're probably connected with some nonprofit or something and, and, and you say, well, well, John, I can do that. I can just do it on my own. No, do it through church. Do it through this church. And if you're asking me why, and I tell my congregation the same thing, this is the reason why. Because when you give of your time, and that's what I'm going to ask you to give of your time, and when you give of your money, and that's what I'm going to ask you to do, when you give of your time and your money, and you do it through the church, it's a win-win. You get credit in heaven, God sees it, and you get credit in heaven, and the church gets credit on earth. The people around, when they say, wow, did you see what that church resurrection life did? And people start, but the church needs to have a good name. People need to be excited when a church moves into a community. They're like, yes, we're getting a church. You know, people get more excited about, about getting a pro sports team. Or Did you hear? We're getting, people should be so fired up when, when a church is moving into town because church, church should be known. You, the church, should be known for what we do and what we give. So I want to encourage you, just like me and my wife are going to do as part of this church, to give time and to give money do it through the church. And, and this church is, is, is connected with so many different organizations. And, 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 and I'm going to pray in just a, just a second. And, and, when you, and, and this is going to be my challenge to you. I'm going to challenge you to give one hour. One hour. 60 minutes. I would say the seconds that I knew how many seconds were an hour. But one hour. When we dismiss today, I'm going to ask you to go outside and there's booths all over the place and there's an information desk. And I want to challenge you to go there and say, this is my name. I want you to connect me in with some place. I'm going to give some place that alleviates distress in the life of somebody. And I'm going to go and I'm going to give one hour of my time. Now, you may be able to give two. You may be able to give five. You may get connected in there. And my, my goal is to activate you and that you fall in love with serving other people and helping other people. And it's just an all, it, 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 it's a lifestyle. But for right now, my challenge to you is one hour and to do something special on the 3rd and 4th of December when Resurrection Life Church takes up the heart for the, excuse me, heart for the house offering. Do something special. Do something beyond what you normally do with your time and with your money. And this is what I want. Everybody look. Put up on a screen if you would. 100% participation. 100%. I wish you would put that in bigger letters. 100%. Now, because now, we're not asking for, this is something that is going to reach communities and reach other people. So I want 100% participation. 100%, not 99, 100%, everyone. Say with me, everyone. Is it everyone or everybody? Say everybody. That way we just got them all covered. Grammar is covered. 100% participation. Bow your hands with me if you would. I want to ask you a question. Listen very carefully. This is not an altar call for salvation. So listen up. If you're here today and you're good with what James said and you think, yeah, that's, that's the truth. Church shouldn't be about being or attending. It should be about wading into the distress of other people. And you're willing to say, John, I take your challenge. Between now and the end of the year, I'm going to give one hour of my time 
and I'm going to do something extra financially to help Resurrection Life go further, faster, and impact more lives. If you'll commit to those two things, you don't have to tell me what, but God's speaking to your heart and you'd say, that's me. I commit to giving of my time and I commit to giving of my resources because I want to obey what James said. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Raise it up really high if you're willing to take that challenge. Raise it up. The balcony, all over the place. You're saying, John, that's me. I take the challenge. I'm going to pray for every single person that has their hand raised. Father, I ask that you would seal our decision on the inside of our hearts. You wouldn't allow us to get busy thinking about family and Thanksgiving and the food and what are we going to do and we forget about others. And then that goes by and then we get into Christmas and the shopping and Father, I ask that you would seal this decision on the inside of us and you would help us to be committed to do what we know true religion is. It's to look outside of our life and help others. I ask that Father, you would give men and women here an incredible, incredible experience serving others with their time and with their finances. You'd cause us to fall in love with your heart, with your spirit, and with your love for people. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to give everybody here an opportunity to take a step towards Christ. You might be here and you don't know God as your heavenly father. I want you to know that today you can. So we're going to help you do that. I'm going to ask the whole congregation to say a prayer with me. We're going to say it out loud. And if you're here and you've never committed your life to God, he's never, you've never invited him into your heart, I want you to do that. And we're going to help you do that right now. So I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer with me. Say with me, Father, I ask you to come into my life. I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I ask that you'd forgive my sins. I ask that you would make me new. And from this day on, I want to know you. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.